It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmoke, Paul Dottino, Jeff Fiegel's with you. The phone number, we're back in the facility, folks. It's 201-939-4513. We're still doing audio only because not all of us can be back in the studio. So uh, we're still just streaming that way, but we thank you for being with us as we get another day closer to the start of training camp next week. Mr. Fiegels, Mr. Dottino, Mm -hmm. good afternoon. How are you? Hello. Hello. All right, let's get right to our guest. It is our final opponent preview, and we figure we would save the Giants fan base, who I would consider... Their most hated rival for last, and that is the Philadelphia Eagles. And joining us to talk about the Eagles is friend of the program, joins us every year a couple times to talk Eagles football, is Dave Spadaro from PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Dave, you got Schmelk, you got Datino, and you have your old cohort, Jeff Fiegels, with you here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's up, bud? As well as the distinction of being the Giants' most hated rival. I mean, what a Friday this is. Thank you for the honor. (laughs) Well, I imagine you wouldn't have it any other way, Dave. So let me start real simple. When camp opens up next week, what's the first thing your eyes are going to go towards when you start watching practice? I mean, as always, the quarterback and then the first-round pick, the wide receiver, Devontae Smith, and then the head coach, Nick Sirianni. And I'm interested to see how he works the, works the field. And he's a different kind of coach in that he will hit both sides of the line of scrimmage and just get into guys and, and talk to them and be very animated, very uh, hands-on. So, and look, this is a team that is um, intriguing. I mean, a really bad, awful 2020 season, four years removed from the Super Bowl, and this team is in transition. So, you know, which way? You can you can go one of two ways with a new head coach. You, start, you, you come in like you guys with Joe Judge. Everybody believes that Joe Judge is the coach of the New York Giants is going to take them to great things after that first season. They, they really did a nice job. We'll see you know, what Dick Sirianni is all about. We'll find out what Jalen Hurst is all about. And I think it's going to be a really interesting, intriguing, fun team to watch. You know, Dave, I, Jeff, Paul, let me just jump in here because I, mm-hmm. want to, I want to focus in on a word, Dave, that you used in that answer. It's a year of transition. What does that mean to you? I'm sure you use that word specifically because I think these things are hard to define. Is this the start of a true rebuild? Is that too strong? Is it a full transformation? Is it just a new influx of different people and leadership? How would you characterize kind of where the Eagles are from rebuild to true competitor for a title? You know, it's interesting because I've always been um, told that you never use the word rebuild in the NFL. Teams just, like, will not use that word. It's a signal to fans that, hey, we can't contend this no, year. that's true. And the reality is, the reality is, in the NFC East, with no repeat winners since 2003, 2004, everybody competes. So it's a transition because there's a new head coach, there's a new quarterback, uh, the, there's a whole new staff in place, the roster has... Uh, gotten a lot younger. There's still some veteran presence here, but the roster is in the process of turning it over to the next wave of Philadelphia Eagles and that in this new era. So I think that's where the transition is. And um, can I call it a rebuild to go from Carson Wentz to Jalen Hurts? Uh, maybe. I, I just don't know enough about Jalen Hurts right now. So, um, yeah, it, it, we, we knew that Doug Peterson did a very fine job here, awful 2020 season. So you transition to another new head coach, first-time head coach in the NFL, Nick Sirianni, and you hope that you can take it to the next level from a really bad situation last year. And, oh, by the way, as you look at this in kind of two- and three-year gulps, you say the Eagles potentially have three first-round picks in 2022. So, um, you know, that's why I call it transition rather than rebuild. And, frankly, I think this team has a chance with an offensive line that comes back healthy, you know, with a defensive line that still should be strong, if you're good at the line of scrimmage, you know, you shouldn't really be in a quote-unquote rebuild situation. That's you fair. should be in a situation where you're contending. And I think in the NFC East, we would all agree, there's really no clear-cut best team in the division. You know, Dave, I'm not so sure that Jalen Hurts' skill set or his performance 
is as important, or maybe it's just equally as important, as to how Sirianni decides to diagram this offense and puts him in position to try to succeed and to maximize whatever it is that he can do. So can you give us, even though it's only July, can you give us a flavor of what the Eagles want him to try to operate? You know, it's really a great question, and, and, and I don't have a great sense, and I'll tell you why. And, and I did an event last night with Nick, and um, you know, he talked about what he's learned along the way in his career. And one of his great lessons was after playing at Mount Union College, he goes back to be a grad assistant coach, and he comes in and he talks about the offense that he wants to run and this and that, and the coach at the time just pounds his fist on the table and says, no, 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 you first – have to know your personnel. You can't come in with this grandiose idea of an offense you're going to run not knowing your personnel. And what I find so interesting with the Eagles, like my sense is that Nick and Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator, would like to run a pretty pure West Coast offense. Can you do that with Jalen Hurts, who brings to the table multidimensional skills? So you better incorporate some facet of the offense that will, you know, allow him to inflict some damage with his legs. But then I say another, I go another step further, and I go, all right, well, wait, Joe Flacco is the backup quarterback. Nick Mullins is the third quarterback. So those guys aren't running read options, right? You're not doing You're running. If Joe Flacco somehow is on the field (laughs) as your quarterback, you're getting the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible. That was a staple of what they did in Indianapolis. They didn't take sacks. They didn't turn the football over. They relied on the run game. They ran the screen game. You know, they had some explosive plays with some really good wide receivers. I think the Eagles can do that. I think this offense has some talent for sure. But with Jalen, you know, you have to take into account that he makes defenses worry about his legs, and I think that that threat has to be part of the Eagles' offense. So I'm really, really interested to see. I think it's going to be fun to watch them through the preseason, joint practices against uh, the Patriots and the Jets. And we'll get a pretty good sense of what this team's offensive structure is capable of doing heading into the opener at Atlanta. But I think with Jalen, I mean, does anybody out there see him as a three-step drop, get the ball out of his hands kind of quarterback? I just don't see that with him. Although I, I will acknowledge that, as with every quarterback, you better learn to win from the pocket or you're not going to win in the NFL. Well, I'll tell you, I think you're correct there. I think most quarterbacks have to be able to, to – you know, do well in the pocket and resist getting out of it all the time. And that includes having a nice offensive line. I mean, you look at the Eagles offensive line last year, how, how ravished they were with injuries, Dave. Um, I was just looking, doing a little research here. They used 14 different combos between the 16 games that they played in. It's hard to win when you're doing that. Give me a little bit of an update on that offensive line. And where do you think the, I think I'm, I'm guessing the battle in camp at the offensive line is going to be at that left tackle position with, Andre Dillard and uh, Jordan. I'm going to butcher his last name, but you know who he is. Mayaletta? What is it? Uh, Jordan Mayaletta. Jordan Mayaletta. Okay, yeah. that's close. Um, and you're right. That, that, that is, you, were, you weren't far away, Jeff. The, um, the, that is the battle of two young players at left tackle. Both have a lot of talent. Uh, Mayaletta played really well last year. Um, and, and um, you know, for Dillard, 2019 first-round draft pick, got to show that he's durable, got to show that he's tough, and he's got a challenge here. He's not going to be handed anything. But otherwise, they really do feel good about the O-line. You know, they get back Lane Johnson at right tackle. They get back Brandon Brooks at right guard. Jason Kelsey at center. Uh, Isaac Sayamalo at left guard. They feel like if this offensive line, and it does have some age, but if the offensive line can stay healthy, should be with their offensive line coach, Jeff Stoutland, one of the better offensive lines in the league. If you have that, you got a shot. Plus, with all those injuries last year, they developed some depth. Mm-hmm. So they've got some young players that they feel they can plug in. This is a strength of the Philadelphia Eagles. The offensive line is an absolute strength. And look, Jeff, we go back to the Randall Cunningham days, and it, that those Buddy Ryan teams had all the talent in the world outside. They let Randall run around. They didn't have an offensive line, and consequently they never won. So I think the philosophy here is a lot different. The Eagles invest in the O-line. They will continue to invest in the O-line. And I think they, you know, that, that is the strength of this offense, tackle to tackle. How about all your young guys outside, um, Dave? You have a lot of guys without a ton of experience, but with a lot of talent. Is this just going to be a huge open competition and just let the best guys win this summer? I think so. And, and it's funny because 
yeah, there's some talent there, but like, how good are they really? Right. And that's what we don't. That's what we don't know. Okay. Travis Fulgham has a month during last year where he's the best receiver in the league. He was incredibly productive, and people and myself included, you know, talking about Mike Quick kind of player. And this, and then all of a sudden he just literally fell off a cliff. Zero production down the stretch. Jalen Rager, first round pick in 2020. Is he a good player? We don't know. He was explosive when he had the ball the few times that he was out there, but he had injuries and was inconsistent and just that, the mess of an offense that the Eagles ran last year. Rager was never spotlighted. Is he ready to take that next step? Devontae Smith, I mean, look, everything we've seen of Devontae, the way he comports himself, the, the way he catches the football with such ease, but look, there's nobody in a spring. There's no defense. On, there's no pads. There's no nothing. So, But we're really of the belief that Devontae has a lot of talent. They used three draft picks last year on wide receivers. Do they take the next step? It is such a young group. Yes, there is talent, but I think the word that people in the NFL hate the most is potential. Yep. And until you hit that level, you really don't know. But I, I think, honestly, going into training camp, which starts Tuesday when the players report, Devontae Smith is the leader of the pack, as hard as it is to believe, in his rookie season. I mean, it's that young a group. Dave, how ready is Dallas Goddard able to handle the passing of the torch from Zach Ertz? If, in fact, I know Ertz is still on the roster, but we all kind of assume that he won't be there? Yeah, that's a wrong assumption. Zach is here, has been working out. Um, yeah, I mean, now I don't know what's going to happen moving forward in these next couple of months before the season starts. But at the moment, the Eagles have Goddard, they have Ertz, who had a bad season last year, injury again. You know, 30-plus years old. Um, last year of his contract has a ton to prove. Richard Rodgers, a veteran, as your third tight end. On paper, not a bad trio. And some versatility there, some options when you run 12 personnel. Um, but, yeah, for, but, but I do expect Goddard to be the lead dog here. Um, again, young player, final year of his contract for a long-term deal. I think the Eagles want to make sure that Dallas Goddard stays around. Does that mean Zach Ertz isn't part of the offense? No. If he's part of the team in 2021, he will be part of the offense, and the Eagles will run two tight end sets. But, you know, we, we've, I've been answering this question since March. Where's Dallas Goddard going to go? I'm sorry, where's Zach Ertz going to go? When's he going to get traded? And, like, he's on the roster, and he's expected to be there on Tuesday, and he's expected to be on the field on Wednesday when they practice. And so, you know, until further notice, Zach Ertz remains a Philadelphia Eagle 40 catches away from setting a franchise record for most career receptions. Do you um, think that's important to him, Dave? A, By the way, do, do you? Because it I did would, seem I, I like for a while he was he was kind of resigned to the fact that he would be leaving somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, I know it's a good question. I, I, I would hope that legacy matters. I mean, the guy scored the you know the winning points in the touchdown in a, in a Super Bowl 52 victory over the New England Patriots, scored the winning touchdowns. He's a chance to be the all-time leading career reception holder in Philadelphia. I know he is very public; has been very public about his contract and his desire, and just nothing happened. So, you know, I think it's to me, looking at the big picture, it's it's important to preserve your legacy and to enhance your legacy. And football doesn't last forever. And Philadelphia loves Zach Ertz, and so there's a place for him in Philly, always on the field, off the field. And I, I hope that's important to him, and I think it is. Dave, real quickly, before we segue to the defense, um, I want to talk a little bit about the running back position. Obviously, Miles Sanders, good year last year, despite missing four of the games. Um, give me a little bit of update there. Kenneth Gainwell, the fifth-round pick. We all liked him come out of Memphis. I think he's got a, a future in this league eventually if he can stay healthy. And then one last question on the offensive line. Uh, give me a little update on Lander Dickerson. Uh, Landon Dickerson, how is he coming along? I know that uh, I liked him coming out of college, and he's gonna be, is he going to be that guy that's going to replace Travis Kelsey sooner or later? Um, down the line, probably, you know, he'll be a garter or a center. Not quite sure, mm -hmm. um, but because they can always move Sayamalo as well. They really do cross-train these, these offensive linemen, as most teams do. But Dickerson is the only unsigned rookie. Uh, I don't think the Eagles are interested at all in rushing him back after sure. he tore his ACL in December. A long-term investment there. Extraordinarily talented kid. Animal. It just gets after it. Loves the game. Uh We'll, we'll talk about him same time next year Sure. Um, and see where he fits into the offensive picture. Um, running back is really, to me, like nobody talks about it in the league, but like with 17 games, 
you better have four really good running backs, if not, and you better have a couple on the practice squad who can step in because nobody's playing 17 games at the running back position. So while the Eagles love Miles Sanders and he's got to show that he's more durable than he's been, you know, they need to find out is on Johnson, who they claimed off of waivers from Detroit, is he healthy? Is Jordan Howard, who's in the best shape of his life and who knows that he could be down to his last opportunity in the NFL, is he ready to become the player he was in Chicago and the player he was for half a season in Philadelphia before injuries? Can Kenny Gainwell be a factor in the passing game? I think that's really where they see him as a fit. A really, really talented player that you can move around the formation, create some favorable matchups, and get him in space in the passing game. Boston Scott, a good change of pace back. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, he's done a really great job against the Giants in these last couple of years. So, so there's, there's some depth here, uh, and I think the Eagles really understand that they're, they need it. I think every team does. You better have a bunch of running backs in a 17-game schedule, or you're going to get caught uh, shorthanded. So, uh, but again, very similar to uh, uh, what we've got here at wide receiver, some young players the Eagles are counting on who, you know, and that, that's Gainwell mostly, uh, who you just don't really know a whole lot about. Can they get by with Sanders and Scott and if on Johnson is healthy or Jordan Howard? Yeah, maybe, but if you're playing this, the NFC East in late December – I'm not sure you want to be turning and handing off the football to Boston Scott 17 times a game. You know, Dave, I want to follow up really quickly on running backs. What are the Giants getting in Corey Clement, who's here trying to compete for one of those, as you point out, very valuable third or fourth running back spots on the roster? Yeah, one of my favorite guys who just hasn't been able to recapture the magic of his rookie season when he came in lean and mean, made the roster, uh, excelled on special teams, created a, a spot for himself as a pass catcher, uh, had some injuries since then, has talked a lot about changing his body composition, and um, just it's it, it just a graphic and vivid, vivid, vivid demonstration of the fine line in the NFL. A Super Bowl hero in February of 2018 who has been a roster, you know, fringe roster player since then. Uh, and so, you, you know, hopefully for, for Corey's sake and for the Giants' sake, Corey is in tip-top shape, is hungry, and, and has that edge because I, I really root for Corey. I hope he makes it and helps the Giants. And at his best, he will block in pass protection. He'll go after it. He'll get you some tough yardage inside. Terrific receiver out of the backfield and outstanding on every phase of special teams. So if he's ready to go, if he's healthy, if he's in great shape, and if that knee is good and everything, you know, the injuries that he's had, if they're all good to go, then, then Corey should – you know, be a, a part of the Giants roster and, and help you out throughout the season. All right, Dave, I want to jump to defense. We've always talked about the Eagles having one of the best defensive lines in all of football. They just send waves of pass rushers at you. But some of the guys in that group now are on the wrong side of 30. Should we still be talking about them in that way, or is it more of a question mark now given some of the changes we've seen and, like I mentioned, how some of the guys that have been dominant are getting a little bit older? So the guys you're talking about who are dominant and getting older, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, yep. mm-hmm. how much gas do they have left? Yes. Yep. And then you know, you're know you bringing Ryan Kerrigan, who was such a force with Washington. How much does he have left? And then you supplement it with some young players, Javon Hargrave, who the Eagles signed prior to 2020 uh, as a free agent out of uh, the steal from the Steelers organization. They drafted a bunch of edge rushers late. Um, interesting concepts here with their new defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, who someday will be a head coach. They want to put pressure. They they call. They they keep talking about it all offseason. How they want to be a takeaway machine, and um, you know they they want to do it at the line of scrimmage. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I, I think John, look, I think there's there are so many questions on the back end of this defense that if the front end of the defense, the defensive line is not really good and really dominant, it's going to be a tough tough road for the Eagles defense because they just have so many questions on the back end. But on paper, Derek Barnett. Josh Sweat's an emerging player in his third season. Uh, There's some depth there. I think they want to rotate a lot and bring pressure and do something that Jim Schwartz really didn't do much of in his time as a defensive coordinator. And perhaps it was because of injuries, but behind the curve in the blitz game, really reluctant to blitz. I think Gannon will will dial up the blitzes more and hold the back end because he must create pressure. They must take the football away. This is something they just didn't do these last couple of years. Well, then let me go to the linebackers, Dave. How important was the acquisition of uh, Eric Wilson coming off of that Vikings roster? 
Yeah, I mean, a, a pretty much nondescript group of linebackers, and it's been that way for years. And, you know, they've used a couple of relatively high first round, or high, high draft picks on the position. Uh, Davion Taylor in 2019, who rather 2020, who just had, had kind of a washout rookie season, a raw athlete, uh, still has development to go. Eric Wilson knows the defense, having worked with Gannon in Minnesota. They, Gannon comes from the Mike Zimmer tree. And so Eric Wilson had a, a good season last year in Minnesota, largely ignored in free agency, so it's a one-year deal here. And he'll come in and get some playing time, and the Eagles will try to sort through some, you know, again, nondescript players and, and find out who, if, if they emerge, who stands out, who rises to the top. Alex Singleton is a, has been a roster, you know, fringe player for his career. Last year leads the team in tackles. Um, they're hoping that, you know, some of these younger players step up and, Sean Bradley from Temple University, who was a rookie last year, can he make an impact? Um, I, look, I, this this team has had a history long ago with Chuck Bednarik and and Bill Burgies and Jeremiah Trotters and some really accomplished linebackers. It, it hasn't been that way for a long, long time, and it doesn't appear that this is a star-studded group at the linebacker position. So we'll see if the scheme can can fit. This, this talented group, but not very known, um, not very acclaimed, not high draft picks, a lot of free agents. Um, again, the, the front end of the defense leads the way. When you get to the linebackers and the secondary, major, major questions. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Well, you know, you're going to have the questions in the secondary. So we've already addressed that oh, a little bit. So, uh, oh, big, big time, Jeff. Like, big time. I mean, other than Darius Slay, who's playing sure. cornerback. Who really didn't and, play and all so he, well last year. It won interception, you know. Yeah. So. No, yeah. It, playing man-to-man, he, he, he accepted the challenge. I, I will tell you that playing man-to-man in the NFL and being left alone is almost an impossible task. Mm-hmm. These, given, given the way that the league has played these days. But Slay is still out there, and, you know, he's kind of the leader of the pack there. The, the Eagles are reportedly in the game for uh, Steven Nelson. I don't know the status of, of that, a free agent for the Steelers. So, but they definitely need help at the cornerback position. What, if they're going to go after a free agent, they obviously would be able to – he's going to compete with Avante Maddox, right, at the right cornerback position? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would expect Maddox to get a look inside. You know, oh, okay. fourth-round draft pick on Zach McPherson, yeah. uh, who played at Texas Tech talented kid but you know again without watching them in pads who, who really knows how he adjusts to the nfl level uh but yeah there's it's the the cupboard is is fairly bare at least in terms of proven talent at cornerback for the eagles it's really just maddox inside he's really better suited to the inside position and then slay at one cornerback spot so that that cb2 is a glaring glaring issue for the eagles well just to stay on the on the, the back end of the defense. It's safety. I, I, feel, I feel like Rodney McLeod is very reliable. I mean, he's been there for a long time. And then they go out and get Anthony Harris, who obviously comes with Jonathan Gannon from Minnesota. What do you think about that combo? Um, is there anybody there that might be able to compete with those two guys, or do you think those are the two starters for the season? Yeah, I mean, I would expect – now, here's the, here's the assumption. Rodney McLeod tore his ACL last year late in the season against the Saints. Is he ready to go in September? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they've, they've got some younger players, Epps and Wallace, and, uh, who didn't really step up last year. Uh, Harris is going to be the leader there. A couple of years ago, led the NFL in interceptions with Minnesota. Last year, uh, Vikings not as good on the front end, so the back end struggles. And what's interesting is, again, another for one-year deal in free agency. The Eagles were kind of hampered with their salary cap situation, and they sure. traded Wentz, of course, and... So they went out and they signed a bunch of guys to one-year deals, Harris among those. So prove-it-to-me deals, and Harris knows the defense, uh, gets after the football. And if the front end delivers with pressure, he should be around the football quite a bit. And if, if Rodney McLeod is healthy, he's a solid player at the other safety spot. All right, Dave, final one for me. Just give me an insight into what it's been like being around Nick Sirianni. We only see the press conferences and stuff from a distance, which I think often gives a very poor view of these guys so what's been your final question what's been your impression of him up close i really like him i mean it's interesting in philly he got roasted by uh, our very uh, friendly media uh, for his opening press conference he's standing in an auditorium uh, philly is a rough media market dave no way i didn't know that (laughs) really yeah and dave you sound so nice and pleasant (laughs) (laughs) 
And, you know, look, it was a, it was a rough introduction, but I, I find Nick to be intense. I find him to be a coach who's going to really hold players accountable. I think he's going to be tough on them. I think he's going to run a physical camp. I think he's going to be demanding. I think he's got some bright ideas and some smart young coaches around him. The word you hear the most is energy, energy, energy. So it's a different kind of energy. Look, you guys saw last year, when you have a new head coach, there's new faces, there's new personalities, there's new energy, there's new expectations. Actually, you guys didn't see it last year. Because you were in the building. Um, but the players felt it. Yeah. We saw it from a distance, it. Dave. It's fine. Yeah, but the players felt it. But the, but, the, but the players felt it, and they responded, and they performed better than people thought. So uh, I think that's kind of – I think the Eagles are, in a way, in a very similar situation to what the Giants were in last year um, with a new coach, a new direction, and uh, a roster that's got some talent but really has to rely on to really build this thing into something that's going to sustain – Eagles have to draft better than they've drafted. Got to get some development done with these players and get some of these young players to build into blue chip cornerstones. Right now, this roster doesn't have a lot of them. Certainly not enough to maybe compete in the big picture in the NFL. But um, we'll see what Nick's all about, and we'll see how he endures the good times and the bad times because there's going to be both in this very long season. And we'll see as the Eagles, as again we started the conversation with the word transition, as they transition into the Nick Sirianni, and possibly, although it remains to be seen, it's kind of a proven year, into the Jalen Hurts era as well. Dave, good stuff. We'll see you on Thursday Night Football, primetime, October 22nd. Always crazy things happen with Giants and Eagles, and we'll be happy to experience it with you, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. Looking forward to the season. Absolutely. Dave Spadaro. Eagles camp starts with the Giants camp next week. Players arrive. Things get going. First practice for the Giants, by the way, is on July 28th. And just so people understand this, and, and, and then we'll recap very briefly on that and, and the division. First practice is July 28th, but the first three days of training camp, there can't be any contact. So that's Tuesday, which is player arrivals, Wednesday and Thursday. And then on Friday and Saturday, days four and five, you can get into shells. But you cannot do uh, fully padded practices until uh, Monday, August 2nd, just so people have an idea of how that works. All right, Jeff, let's start with you. Your impressions of, of Dave on the Eagles. I thought he was pretty, pretty refreshingly honest, to be quite honest yeah. with you. And a lot of things are going to have to go right if they're going to want to compete for a division title. Well, yeah, I mean, Dave has been with that organization for so long. Believe it or not, I mean, we go back. Like, he was covering when I was there, and that was in 1990, guys. So, I mean, it's been, he has been there for a long By time. By the way, Jeff, Jeff, you want to cry? That was 30 years ago. I, I know. I was just doing the oh, math my a gosh. second ago. It's depressing. Um, that is really crazy. Uh, you know, the Cardinals were in that division way back then. Yeah, they are. <laughs> um, no, I, I just think I think the Eagles are they are who we think they are. Right. I, I think that they I, I do not think that Jalen Hurst is their future. I really don't. Um, I I don't know if this is going to happen, but just kind of reading the, the tea leaves around what's going on to Sean Watson to the Eagles. It's been kind of like just been. I, could you imagine if that happens there? Um, that would immediately improve that that team well of um, course who knows when Watson's ever going to be able to play either so but I mean, my point is know. is that I, I just don't see Jalen Hurst being the guy okay yeah, I, I love I think he's a winner I love what he did in college oh, I great think he's kid. a great I think he's a great locker room guy guys respect him I just don't think that the talent level is there now that I mean Nick Cerrone could ch- change that around and you know he's an offensive coordinator he's got a good mind for it so hopefully uh he can do something there I I believe um, that their offensive line, if they can stay healthy, could be one of the best in the league. I mean, you look at those guys that are across the board, those are all really, really good players. They just, they're just they just old. They're long in the tooth. So, you know, that, and I know how that happens. You just can't – it's hard to recover, and just one little small injury turns into something else. So, um, And then there's receivers. I'm excited to watch Devontae uh, Smith play because I know that how bad we everybody wanted maybe him here. But – I just think this Eagles team's got a long ways to go defensively. They're going to hang their hat as they always do on that defensive line to get pressure. Um, but I think they got a lot of problems um, just because there's just not so much depth there. And if they start to run into injuries, um, they're just not there to be able to field a team that will be competitive in the division. I see them fi- finishing last. Um, I think a lot of people do too. So, how about you, Paul? Your reaction? 
Well, I mean, I, I do think they're by far the fourth best team in the division. You're talking about the age between Graham and Cox being very critical. I mean, how much more tread is on their tires when you talk about playing at a Pro Bowl level? I just don't know how long they can keep that up, and, and that's going to be very important for them if they're going to have any chance to be even decent on defense. And then offensively, look, Lane Johnson has had his injury issues. In fact, that entire offensive line has. And, and, you know, Kelsey's also pretty long in the tooth as well. So I think the only comments that I would make about the Eagles are that Kenneth Gainwell, who they drafted in the fifth round, and Milton Williams, who they drafted in the third round, I think were two of the best value picks that this organization made in the draft. Uh, obviously, Fiegels is a big Landon Dickerson fan. We know about his injury history at Alabama. Mm-hmm. Devastating, uh, you know, in his final season. And they took a chance on him in the second round. But, but I think... I think Gainwell and Williams are two young players that I'm going to be watching for the next few years. All right, let's open up the phones at 201-939-4513. Limited Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2021 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. All right, let's go to the phone, guys, and then over the course of the next half hour, we will wrap up our opponent preview, give our final thoughts on the schedule and the opponents and the division. But in the meantime, let's get to the calls. Marcus is out in Portland. He joins us first on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hi, Marcus. Hello, Marcus. It's early there, Marcus. Wake up. Sounds like we might have lost Marcus there, Pierce. Remember, (laughs) if he's on hold for more than a half hour, we lose him. So do me a favor. Can you check and make sure Doug is still there before we go to him? Again, 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Marcus, give us a call right back, and I promise we will get you right back up. And, Doug, give us a call right back. We're having an issue with the phone lines here, folks. So for incoming calls, if you're on hold for more than a half an hour, we for some reason we, we just can't hear you anymore. Our IT folks are working on it. Um, but that's why we just lost those two callers we had on hold. But if you guys call us right back and I see the line blinking, I'll make sure we get you right John, up. John, yes. we can just send you back home to produce the show from there. The phone uh, works. Well, yes, but we only have one of them, which is a problem, unfortunately. <laughs> this is true. So we give or take. I got you. So, sometimes simpler is easier, but it's not necessarily better. Yes. There's but, a trade-off. Unfortunately, I have, I have control of all things in, in my <laughs> humble abode. I do not have control of all things in the Giants facility, which should make everybody very happy because no one would want that. All right, so guys, we've done our previews of, of all these teams on the schedule and the NFC East. I'll still start with you, Jeff. What's your biggest takeaway? You can go division if you want. You can go overall schedule. What's your thoughts? Well, I'll start with the division. I think the division is going to be very competitive this year. Um, you know, I look at the quarterback position as being the most important. Um, and you look at the teams that are in this division, I think the Cowboys have the best quarterback. And then, you know, from there, it's just a matter of what's going to happen with the other guys. And I think that this is truly, if Daniel Jones can get the protection that he needs, he has the weapons around him and Saquon comes back, this offense has got to, got to be able to score some more points. So I think it'll be very competitive. I think it's going to go down to the wire towards the end of the season. Um, as far as the, the schedule goes, um, I think that we have to look at it, you know, in, in those quarters, as we always do. And you pick the first quarter and kind of see where they can go from there. I, I, I would like the Giants to get off to a good start. Um, historically, you know how it's been the last five or six years. This team just does not do well at the beginning. I think it's important, and I think the schedule, they can do it. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But, you know, overall, I think it's it's uh, it's been great to talk to all these people and appreciate every one of them coming on with us. And, you know, it just gives a good insight of a lot of the teams, that some teams that we don't see a lot, you know, and, and hear about, and we get some good insight from them. So um, I'm looking forward to it. But most importantly, guys, we're here. I mean, the, the guys are in the building now, the young guys. You know, they got the diapers on, and they're over there. You know, they got the baby wipes, and they're kind of getting ready for the big boys to come in. So it's here. Uh, football in 2021 is about to start, and I know that all of us are excited about it. I and, am. And, Paul, by the way, before we touch on the schedule, I should mention some of the roster moves that were made by the Giants. A couple of them, right? Uh, yesterday. Uh, obviously, everyone saw the Kadarius Tony move, so we'll see how long, you know, he's, he's going through protocols with that. The team also announced that six players have been placed on the active, physically unable to perform list. Uh, Saquon Barkley, knee injury, not a surprise. We've talked about that possibility. Of course, these players, it's important to note, can be taken off the pup list at any time during training camp. So 
This is not like you have to be at a certain amount of time. They could be removed from this list at any time. Saquon Barkley, knee injury, Paul. Jonathan Harrison, who was an offensive lineman center that was brought in to compete for a backup spot behind the gates. He is a hamstring. Tackle Matt Parrott, which was a surprise to me with the back. Tight end Kyle Rudolph with the foot. That's expected. O'Shane Zimenez, not with the shoulder, which he had surgically repaired last year, but a hamstring. And then Aaron Robinson, the rookie cornerback, with a core muscle injury. Hmm. Yeah, you know, John, I think the only thing that, that I wanted to mention regarding uh, the transactions of yesterday. Oh, and by the way, I should mention Ryan Anderson and Sandro Platzgummer on the non-football injury list as well. They can get taken yes. off of that list at any time, too. And Mazzell went to IR. Yes, correct. Hamstring. Yes. Uh, yeah, the only thing that I wanted to mention, because obviously Twitter blew up when uh, when the Tony announcement was made that he went to protocol. And, you know, here's the bottom line, okay? Now, there is no standard length for the protocols because until you know exactly what's going on with the guy for, from a health perspective and well, what it his depends symptoms if he's are, vaccinated, if he's not vaccinated, symptoms, all that stuff is, exactly. is in the mix there. There's a, there are a lot of factors, and that's, that's the thing that I want to stress to the fans because I had to answer some questions about it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. There are several various factors that come into play here when you determine how long the guy's going to be out. And in some ways, it's kind of like the concussion protocol because there are different factors, different steps and tests, and different physical conditions and symptoms or non-symptoms that have to occur before you can come back. So let's make it very clear to folks that there's no way to tell exactly when or how much he's going to miss. But what I will say is this. He is a rookie. And from that perspective, you'd hate to see him miss any practice time on the field because then that does usually result in some lag. Now, as I wrote on Twitter yesterday, the Giants' first practice isn't for six days, okay? July 28th. Okay. Then there's four practices total within the 10 days starting yesterday. And there are seven practices within the 14-day period starting yesterday. So that would give you an idea of how many practices he could potentially miss if he falls anywhere within that time frame. And obviously, again, as a rookie, there's going to be a little bit of lag there. So you'd like him to miss as few as possible. But most importantly, whatever it is that he's dealing with, whether it's serious, not serious, we don't know. We just hope he's healthy and he's doing well. So let me just get that that thing out of the way first. But the other point that I wanted to make based off of what Jeff said, and it goes to your question, John, about the big picture. Yeah. We always talk, and I mentioned this on the show the other day earlier in the week, about the first month of the season's a feeling out process. And then you finally find out what your team is, usually by the fifth game. Well, Based on everything that we've heard from our correspondents around the league, I'm looking at the Giants' first four games, Denver, Washington, Atlanta, and New Orleans. And by the way, we just heard today that Michael Thomas, because of a foot issue, oh yeah, he's probably going to wind up missing that Giants game on October the 3rd. That's like right on the edge of the timetable. So (laughs) we'll see. I think you're probably right, Paul, but if he's a little bit quicker, I guess he could be back. It's a four-month recovery which is basically from June to October, right? That's four months. It's going to be real so close. it's going to be close. Uh, and you know how it is when a guy just comes back, he's usually not himself anyway. Sure. But, but I'm looking at Drew Brees is gone. Matt Ryan is still there, yes, but Julio Jones is gone. Uh, Fitzpatrick is the new kid on the block, and I joke when I say kid, as the quarterback in Washington. And we all know that, you know, Drew Locke is Drew Locke, and he's in Denver. So to Jeff's point about the Giants starting off, look, I don't want to get too too uh, much ahead of myself here because the 53-man rosters have not been filed yet. But I'm going to tell you that I'm already starting to get an itch for a potential at no worse than 3-1 and one oh, in the first month of the season because to me, <laughs> you could make an argument that Washington is the toughest game in the first month of the season, and the Giants beat them twice last year, and I think the Giants have improved much more than Washington did during the course of the offseason. So could I even sniff a 4-0? Can I hear a 4-0 from somebody? Paul, how about this? I'm not going to hear it from me. We'll see. Paul, 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 I want you to take a deep breath. How many times have the Giants not finished at 
worst or at best 0 and 2 since 2013. Well, and 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 that is why By the way, the answer is once. Yeah. That is why FYI. this needs to be this needs to be a dramatic turnaround right out of the blocks for the Giants to prove that indeed this is going to be the potentially terrific season that a lot of people hope it's going to be. I agree. Essential not to get off to a slow start. Yeah, you, critical. You critical. Can't, you can't start 0-2, but I don't think we need to start throwing out 4-0 and either because, let's be honest for a second, the Broncos could have a top-five defense in the league. No question. Washington can have a top-five defense in the no league. No question. The Falcons could have a top-five offense in the league, and the Saints are still a pretty good football team. So, look, look. Yeah. I'm going to ask for three and one. I'm going to hope for four and zero. Oh, ask for three and one, and reluctantly settle for two and two if I have to. Uh, yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to. Des- I'm going to get on my knees and ask for a no zero oh, and two, please. Right. Please. That's all I care about at this point. I think, and I think they have the the ability to not do that. And here's the thing, guys. When you know what happens when teams start zero and two, as far as the playoff goes, I'm not even going to get into that. It's the psych. It's the it's the psyche yes. oh, of the team. It's all psyche. Exactly. And, and, and what yeah, happens? For sure. The press comes out, and then here it comes. And now Joe Judge is going to have to do this remarkable job of trying to get his team to focus on what we're doing, guys. Forget about the press. We're zero two. I just don't want to see it because it's just a big headache, and and I don't think it'll happen. I hope it doesn't happen. But um, there is also the psychology the other way when you start two and zero. Okay, then things can really begin to to get to go well in your locker room. So sure. those are important things to look at. But you know what, Jeff? And really, why I even started to toy with the numbers I was toying with is because we did talk to the to the to the representatives of those teams, uh, you know, in our correspondent conversations, mm-hmm. and it was very clear in talking to each one of them that those four teams do not exactly think they have powerhouses. Yeah. Okay, they just don't. Yeah, but the Giants they sound like a... they've got very beatable teams with even well, more right. questions well, than the Giants yeah, do. But Paul, the Giants won six games last year. They're not a powerhouse either. No, they're not. Right. But I think those teams have more questions than the Giants. I really do, based on what we talked about to those people in those towns. Okay, that's fine. But to assume you're going to beat every single one of them is a little bit. I strong. didn't. So I didn't assume anything. I said I'm going to ask for it. I didn't say <laughs> I'm assuming it. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. All right, and I just should point out too because I mentioned it, but we didn't really talk about it. And then we have our callers back. We'll, I promise you, we'll we'll get to you in like a minute. But Saquon Barkley getting put on the pup list with a knee injury. I hope we mentally prepared everybody for that being a possibility over the past few months because we have talked about that. That doesn't mean he's not going to be ready for the first week of the year. Heck, he could be ready to practice in a week, for all we know. Sure. So just don't panic over that. We'll keep an eye on the Matt Paired back injury, because I do think as a potential starting right tackle this year, that's pretty important. And we'll keep an eye on the Zimenez and Robinson hamstring and core muscle injuries, because those are guys that we think could compete for significant roles on the sure. defense this year. So those are the ones that, and of course, we knew about the Kyle Rudolph thing. We'll see how long that foot takes for him to come back. He's a veteran. He'll be fine. But the other guys are certainly ones we will keep an eye on. And again, don't freak out over the Barkley thing. This was not unexpected. He didn't have his knee surgery till October 30th. So do the math. That's only about eight months or so, nine months of recovery, nine months exactly off that recovery. So don't lose your mind over that part of this is all yeah. I'll say. And again, they, they you know they can... And correct me if I'm wrong, but when you're on pup, those guys don't count against your roster, or do they? They do count against your full roster. Yes, yeah, they I do. thought so, they did too, Jeff. Yes, but they. What you're thinking, Jeff? They do not. Ca- if you put yourself on pup for the regular season, no, I, that no. does not count on okay. the roster. Spot. But going correct. in, if the the 90 man roster, if you got nine guys on this, Jeff, just throwing numbers. You, you you have 81 guys that are participating. The other nine, they can come back whenever, right? Yep. So okay, so it's not like you get 99 guys, and when one guy comes off the pup, you cut one. You know so how. That's not Put how it, it this way, Jeff. The most important thing is that you got to be off a of pup by the time they get to the fifty-three. That's right. Yeah, because then you have to stay on it for six weeks, right? Yeah, yes. like that? yeah, that is okay. correct. All right, and they're puppies, you know, and they're there for a reason. And like you said, John, they can come off at any time. You know, they could feel like, okay, we want to get this guy in for a week of training camp and just see how he is, and then we're well, good. Then he's, he can come back. You know, so um, I'm just, I'm just, I, I'm just wondering why. No, no, I'm not even going to go there. Never mind. Okay. 
<laughs> How you doing? All right. <laughs> Let's go to the phones at 201-939-4513. Don't miss out on your opportunity to chance to experience a premier hospitality experience. Watching Giant Games and world-class concerts in 2021 is a Giant Suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. Let's go to Doug in Rochester who rejoins us. We lost him earlier. Dougie, what's up? Hey, what's up, fellas? I ain't talked to you guys in a long time. Yeah, what's going yeah. on? Hi. Uh, yeah, um, they I was watching the NFL Network on um, Monday last weekend. They were talking about Jacob Barkley, and a lot of people that I talked to in the intelligence think he's going to have a breakout year better than um, the year that he had his rookie year. Then they put up a stat. John, since you're good with the computer, it was five running backs. It was Adrian Peterson, Jamal Charles, Lewis, Jamal Lewis, and there was another running back there that guy around from Miami. Now, A.G. Peterson ran over 2,000 yards, and Charles Lewis ran over 1,200 yards. Can you put up that list right, Chris John, to see was that five running backs that had the same kind of injury Barkley had what they ran the next year? Here's, here's the deal, okay? There have only been two running backs in NFL history who had had this injury in their prime and come back to make the Pro Bowl. Okay, that's the yeah, list that okay. I know. And Jamal Charles and Adrian Peterson are those two guys. But Barkley is doing it at a younger age than either of those two guys, which oh, okay. in theory might give him a better chance. And by the way, all these injuries are different. How recovery is different for all these players. No so question. I, I hesitate to use anyone as an example. Medicine's because, a very tricky deal. Well, I remember, Saquon, it wasn't just the ACL for him either, right? That's right. why he had to wait a month and a half to get the surgery because he had other damage in there. So those are all things you have to take in consideration. All these injuries are different for different players. Okay, well, they, basically they're saying the next year, though. So, I mean, it was five of them who came back the next year. So, it, Barkley took nine months. Let's say Charles took 10 or 11 or even eight or seven. still around the same time, right? Sure, but again, the, the severity of the injury, the type of surgery, the type of recovery, even if the actual injury is exactly the same and the length of time is the same, different guys just heal at different speeds. I mean, and, and there's nothing we can you know, know or analyze or talk about that can help us with that. We kind of just have to wait and see. Okay, well, you can't go by Barkley's um, size and his endurance and stuff. You, can, you can't put that in there, his way he's determined, because, you know, his determination is I think he still want to prove he's uh, with the best running back in the NFL. So I think that's going to have a lot to do with it, too. Well, absolutely. But, Doug, think of it this way. Like, if you would have asked me, giant skill position guys, who was least likely to sustain a serious leg injury just based on what I know about the guy, I would have said Saquon Barkley. Look at his legs. I mean, they basically made a granite. They're gigantic, but these things happen. And, look, you can be as determined as you want. If you physically can't do it, it really doesn't matter. So I think we're really just in a wait-and-see scenario. I don't want to make any assumptions with any player when it comes to injuries because, frankly, it's not fair to the player. There's a non-contact okay, that's, injury, too. Uh, I mean, all right, okay, that's understandable. <laughs> uh, yeah, Paul there. Yeah, Paul, you brought up um, last week, um, a couple weeks ago, about Lorenzo Carter switching over to um, the uh, outright, the inside linebacker next to Blake. Yeah, um, uh, I'm going to leave uh, Paul and um, uh, John and uh, Jeff. What do you think about him? Um, does he know he's a better tackler? He can cover tight ends, and he, will he be better – playing out, out back instead of uh, just, uh, just an edge rusher. Well, Doug, before they answer that, let me just say, I wasn't suggesting that he should move in there. What I was suggesting is that there may be a possibility, especially during sub-packages, mm-hmm. where he and Martinez may be the only two linebackers on the field. If you're going to consider someone like uh, uh, Ocelari as an edge rusher, you know, he's a linebacker, but he's an edge rusher, so he's going to be going after the quarterback. He won't be a linebacker. There's a lot of flexibility with what they could do with Carter. That's really what my point is. There is, but at the same time, in the four games we played last year before his injury, he was never really in that spot. Could they move him there this year? Sure. I think he has the skill set to do it. I would expect he's going to see the large majority of the snaps playing outside of defensive linemen on the edge. Yeah. Well, I'd like to see him play uh, switch up a little bit, you know, um, I think coordinator might just see, you know, if he does well, he could be playing inside in. Yeah, well, Doug, the point is, though, I think Thank he's a three-down linebacker. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and as a three-down linebacker, he could be a standard 
more of a standard outside linebacker, strong side on first and second down. And then in the sub package, he could be basically anything. You can make him a pass rusher. You can make him a guy who's going to be holding the point of attack. You could even put him in a little bit of coverage if you wanted to. Well, he certainly has the, the physical ability to do all those things. So, yeah. I don't ever want to limit Patrick Graham, John. <laughs> you know? No, I mean, it, it depends on the scheme, too, like you guys said. I mean, I mean, Crowder is, is you know, you look at the, his size, the way he is, he kind of, you know, he's not a Blake Martinez for sure. Nobody's a Blake Martinez. But I don't know. I just feel like I think Carter just, I don't know. I don't know, you know, him taking on some of those linemen coming up on him. And I just, I know he takes on him at a different ability when he's on the edge. But I just, I like him. I like him out there. And I don't Je- know. Jeff, his body type, he just yeah. looks like an edge. That's... Like, there are not many inside <laughs> linebackers that look like Lorenzo Carter. You know what I mean? I don't think there are any. Yeah, there's no way. They're all big and solid and thick because they got to be able to, you know, sustain those guys coming at him and making ten- – I mean, look at Blake Martinez. He's just a smart player. You know, he's not a tall guy, but, man, he's, he is just feisty and knows where to be and – makes tackles he looks like a middle linebacker but to Paul's point if you're not putting him out there in the middle on rundowns maybe that mitigates some of those potential issues right sure yes yes okay I agree so you know he's on the he could be in the hand you know be be on first and second down at his normal position and if you had to go through a scheme some way on passing down put him in the middle linebacker and maybe he's covering the back out of the backfield or they're using him as a blitz from there you know who knows? You know, if they use, and I do think we'll see much more of, of sub package and, and that amoeba-style defense where mm-hmm. you've got a bunch of guys floating around. I mean, really what it comes down to in a lot of ways, guys can't get shoehorned into a particular spot because that's not what Patrick Graham really wants to do. This no. guy is he's a master of morphing people. No, I yeah, and, and it takes, you know, guys, it takes the players too. You know, it, a lot of people think that this is not a video game now. You could just bring a guy over here and have him playing it. You know, there's a lot of their skill set, number one. Number two, there's the, the football acumen to be able to understand your position outside of your position. You know, and that's an asset to some of these guys that they're able to do that, both physically and mentally. It's not easy. 201-939-4513. Tim in Charleston will join us next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hey, Tim. Hi, Tim. everyone. Uh, you can hear me okay? Yeah, we can hear you okay, Tim. Go ahead. I want to make sure I had you on my Bluetooth speaker. So a couple of things. I just want to make a real brief comment on the Eagles and you don't have to respond to it. And then talk about the Giants schedule a little bit. And then just one minor thing on the Barkley injury and come back. Uh, so on the Eagles, it wouldn't surprise me because I agree with you guys on Jalen Hurts not being their future. wouldn't surprise me if they end up packaging couple of their first-round picks next year and moving up and trying to get a real quarterback. That being said, moving on to the Giants schedule, two things. One is that um, one of the things that I have done is I kind of took pictures of the Giants schedule on my phone and uh, then went through and rated each game on a scale of one to five, one being least likely to win, three being toss-up, five being most likely, and twos and fours being leaning one way or the other, right? And... Um, I only have two ones, which is the, you know, the two Super Bowl teams, basically, which unfortunately we're both playing on the road, too. Um, and, um, you know, I, I think I've only got like uh, three twos in it. So I, I'm looking good. But coming back to that, and I've got quite a, I've got a few fives. I, I think I've got four fives and, or five fives and a bunch of fours, four fives and a bunch of fours. But anyway... One thing I mentioned in an earlier call, and going back to what Jeff said about breaking the season quarters, which uh, what Paul said was is over-optimistic, I'd like to know, um, is that I really think that the, the second game of the year, the Washington game, becomes so hypercritical. Because we got to go at least two or two in the first three, first four, I'm sorry, first quarter of the season, and ideally three and one. But, you know, the Bronco game, I, I have a leaning win on that one, but the Washington game, short rest on the road. And the, as tight as this division is going to be, division games become so hyper-important. I feel that, I hate to say that there's one, like, make-or-break game in this season, but that can be so critical. If we lose to the Broncos, we can't lose that game. If we beat the Broncos, we can, but we don't want to. So I want to get your feedback on that, and I just want to make a quick comment on the Barkley injury. All right, you guys can take the question on the schedule if you like. All right. Uh, I got a couple of tweets recently that said to me, 
that they believe the Giants have to beat Denver in the home opener, and it's the most important thing that they could do to start their season. Yeah. And I countered back to the guy and said, you know what? i got to be frank with you. <laughs> I think the Washington game is much more important. I than will the happily game. trade a Denver loss for a Washington win. Absolutely. Without question. I'm with you, Paul. I mean, uh, to me, I, I can't even begin to think the other way. Um, but, you know, again, uh, look, everybody's got their own thoughts, and that's fine because ultimately the, the 86 Giants lost the opener to Dallas in Dallas when Herschel Walker scored a touchdown in the final moments, and then the Giants went on to rattle off you know, a Super Bowl championship. And by so, the way, I also want to say, right? And I want to point out to everyone like to say, oh, the Giants beat Washington twice last year. They were literally like one two-point conversion away from losing one of those games. It's I not like that. it isn't like they dominated Washington in those two games or anything like that. Just, yeah, but you just know what? to point it out. It's not like this superhuman Washington oh, defensive line dominated those games either because the Giants held their own. Sure they did. No one's saying they didn't. No, well, a lot of people still want to believe that that Washington line is so incredibly great, and they are wonderful. But well, they are they really good. But they didn't knock the Giants to the canvas for a 10 count, did they? Okay. Not, not either game. How, how, how many points did the Giants score in those two games, by the way? Doesn't matter. No, 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 time out, time out, time out. You can't say that the Washington defense didn't do anything to slow down the Giants, but then no, no, I didn't say, I didn't points. say that. I said they did not dominate the game enough to win it. I didn't say they didn't play well. They played well. They're good. They're really good. They played very well, but they didn't do enough to dominate the game to win it. Right. I, I, I get that, but. 23 and 20 points in the two games versus Washington, their defense did a nice job, is my only point. Against an offense that averaged, what, 17 a game? Fine. Okay. Can I, uh, about the schedule, real quick. <laughs> yes. Get you guys away from it. Thank you, Tay Crowder, for running back that fumble. That's all I got to say. So, the, oh, and by, by the way, really good point. So you could take seven of those points off the board because I they know. were defensive points, by I know. the way. Thank you for that. I'm, 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 I'm well aware of what you're getting at, John. That's why I'm having fun with you. <laughs> I, I Come on, too. i got to be able to poke you sometimes. Oh, I you know. know. <laughs> we're both poking, baby. It's okay. I would definitely take the the game, the Washington game. Remember this, guys. I'm going to go to the fifth game now. you got two division games smacked in those five games, uh, the first five games. and Both of them are away. So I will take an, uh, I will take a win at Washington away in the division over a home opener loss uh, against the Broncos. So I, that's yeah. just me because obviously we all know this. The way to the playoffs is your division. So let's get healthy in the division. Um, and then you got the Cowboys on October 10th, another division game in Week Five. So uh, those two division games on the road are important. You got to maybe try to. Try to snibble one of those out, and maybe that's that Washington game, the second season second game. You have to believe 4-2 and two in the division again. If you think you're going to split with Dallas and Washington, you have to believe, although, man, that Eagles hex for years and years and years, you have to believe you can beat them twice. So you have to think minimum 4-2 in the division. No question. All right, Tim, what's your final point? Well, I agree with you guys 100% what Jeff said. And, and Paul, I think 4-2 and two minimum, 5-1 and one would be awesome. I think we're – if we get less than 10 wins, I'll be disappointed. I think 11 guarantees us the division. But I just wanted to mention Barkley. And, you know, it's not just the ACL. Guys come back from the ACL. He's young. He's strong. He works hard. But he did have the partially torn meniscus. Now, I've had one of those. And as an older guy, they don't bother repairing it. So, <laughs> But – the, the fact is that the meniscus injury is something that you can play on, but you're going to have soreness come and go. So I, it wouldn't surprise me to see them use the Ahmad Bradshaw treatment on Barkley a little bit, particularly early in the season, where you don't see him much in practice during the week. They kind of let him rest so that he doesn't put a lot of wear and tear and stress and build up pain and, and soreness in the knee, and then have him come in the game and hopefully – put everything into that, and then give them a few days to recover. So that, that wouldn't surprise me, and I kind of want to get your feedback on that, too. Jeff, you, uh, just, I, you, yeah. you are the expert on, like, <laughs> knee surgeries and stuff, well, so why don't you take it? <laughs> no, you make a good point. And, they, and, uh, and it, is, it is all manageable. He is young. That's a good thing. I can tell you that right now. Um, they recover quickly, and guys just, you know, the medical staff over there understand about these types of injuries and how to get players to lay off because, remember this, you've got to kind of – you got to understand, these guys are workers, man. They, they want to play football. They want to go, 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 go. Um, and it's tough for them to, to hold back 
that's where the training staff and the medical staff comes in. They've got to be able to manage these guys, and they will. They will, though, and that's why he's on PUP. They're just going to make sure that he comes back okay, and uh, I, would, I wouldn't I would be surprised, obviously, if uh, it doesn't make any of the preseason games and just kind of go from there, you know. So, uh, to be honest with you, I think it's the right call, and I think you got to manage these guys, both, lead, both when they're young, when guys are you're anticipating they want to get back on the field, but you just got to kind of tell them, hey, it's okay, just take it easy. And then even some of the older guys, you got to manage their, their, uh, their participation. And they do that. They have days off. And the game has changed so much that these are kind of requirements nowadays. You know, you're going to take the day off like Nate Solder. You know, he's an older guy. And you're not going to practice on Wednesdays. You're going to come back on Thursdays. So we'll I, have a couple, I have a couple additional details on the schedule. I actually, Paul, I interviewed uh, Warren Sharp, who is a really smart you know, guy that digs into a mm-hmm. lot of data on this stuff. That's going to air on Monday on the Giants huddle, by the way. So we go into a lot of detail on strength of schedule. We're at 1 o'clock. I don't really want to get into it now because I know I'm going to go long on it. So why don't we talk about that a little bit next week in terms of what he's able to tell us about who the Giants are playing. Needless to say, it's a very difficult schedule for the Giants offense and a much easier schedule for the Giants defense based on the strength of their opponents, which is very similar, by the way, to what it was last year. Mm-hmm. Um, just something to keep an eye on. And something we talked about, by the way, remember I told you, Paul, I thought the Giants probably faced the toughest pass rushing schedule in the league last mm-hmm. year. Warren actually had them as the second hardest, not the hardest, which I saw I was a little off. Last year. Um yes. Yep. And well the bad news though, he has them for the hardest opponent pass rushing schedule this year. Oh, okay. So it's not gonna get any easier, just FYI. But I have a lot of other stuff with that. Go check out my interview with Warren. It's gonna air again uh on Monday and we talk going inside the numbers on on some of this stuff. All right, let's go to our final caller. Chuckles, you got about thirty seconds. What do you got? Okay, guys, vindication. That's all I can say. Welcome but, back hey, to Twitter, uh, Charlie. Congratulations. <laughs> he was banned, by the hey, way, guys, uh, if you didn't hear. <laughs> well, we all heard yeah, about Jeff, it. I don't, I don't know if any of us were hoping it would get reversed. No, we were not. <laughs> Certainly okay. Lance wasn't. Jeff, Jeff definitely would know since he banned me, but that's all right. Uh, <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> I know, I hey, didn't, I've never let you back. I don't know what happened with Twitter. They let you back. <laughs> I brought them down. They, had, sure they even did. apologized to me. They even apologized. But anyway, hey, uh, I just read that the uh, two, 220 roster flexibility rules will apply in 2021 per the league. That includes short-term I, IR. When did that get announced, to, Charlie? I didn't no, see Charlie, that. hold on now. 20, Pro 20, Football Talk. 22 minutes ago. This morning, ago. Pro Football. Oh, is that official now? Because Pro Football Talk with yep. Mike Florio this morning said that league sources suggested that it would be the same, but it had not been voted in yet. Now, are you telling well, me it's actually official? Yeah, look, it's official to me. It's uh, my sports update. He well, that doesn't. That no, no. NFL.com sounds official to me. My sports update okay. doesn't. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. To be fair. Well, anyway. That's correct. Well, anyway, it says it includes well, the same thing. Injured players can come back after three weeks, 16-man practice squad with the ability to call up one or more players as late as 90 minutes before the kickoff. So that's what it's saying. It's probably, you know, will be official probably in the next hour or so if it isn't official already. But the other thing I just wanted to talk about is just one thing. is just like, Pert, when you have a tall offensive lineman like him when you have a back injury oh gosh Charlie stop trying to medically analyze people you have no idea what the injury is thanks for the call we gotta go we're late I'm I'm sorry I'm not letting Dr. Charlie evaluate back injuries that he has no idea what. But he's an expert at the at the offensive tackle position right because he talked about you know Beattie for so many years I mean come on yeah, I, no. I was, you know what? I had a back injury one time. I had, I'd had never chronic back injuries in my whole career. I never missed a game because of a back injury, but I woke up one day in training camp with my back all messed up. I knew exactly where he was going with that, and I wasn't even going to let him start. No, so it's, no, I'm, I'm with you. And by the way, Charlie, if you're still listening, Dr. David Banner told me one time that when you get angry, your clothes tend to rip and you turn green. <laughs> That's the Incredible Hulk, by the way, for the people that Maybe are he'll not post Marvel that picture. Fans. Just of him FYI. getting green now. All right, final question, but a final statement from you before we go. Paul, you're talking about the first four games. I know we usually take the season in quarters. How about this? Week eight, 
they play the Chiefs, right? And then two games later, they play the Bucs. Those are going to be very two tough games that are going to be tough to win on the Following road. Following the bye, okay? though, John. Yeah, I know that. I know that. Yeah. But I'm taking the schedule up until that game against the Chiefs, right? Okay. First seven games of the year. I'm looking at the schedule. My goal, I think a good realistic goal that I'd be happy with after those first seven games would be four and three. And I think you have a chance, a chance at five and two. But I'd be pretty happy if you're heading into that game at the Chiefs at four and three, which means let's say you lose to the Chiefs and the Bucks, but you beat Las Vegas. That means November 28th, and I believe that's Thanksgiving weekend, if I'm not mistaken. You have seven games left on the schedule. You're at 500, and you have everything in front of you. I think you're in pretty good shape given the rest of the schedule if that's where you stand on November 28th, right at 500. And four of those last seven are divisions games. Yep. So, hmm. Now, four of the last seven are also on the road, which you don't like. Mm-hmm. But you don't have in that group only one, two playoff teams from last year, Chicago and Washington. So I think you feel okay about that. Three of the four, three of the four division games I'm looking here at home on those last seven. Mm-hmm. So that's a good thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and but you know, I, I there's some. Uh, <laughs> I'm just looking at this, looking at the schedule. There's some good teams on this no, thing. Look, <laughs> dude, it's not an easy schedule. If you again, if I mean, I, I look at. I'm sorry, John. I look at ahead. a lot of the a lot of the teams are just improved. I look at the Dolphins. I look at the Chargers. I mean, these are teams that normally we'd be like, ah, you know, we're gonna probably. But these guys, those are improved teams. Okay, uh, we obviously have talked to all the people from those organizations. Most recently, the, the Dolphins one that we did last week or this week uh, with, uh, I mean, that's that's a team that can, those are some good teams on the schedule. Hey, let's just get focused on that number one. I sound like Lynn. Let's, <laughs> let's just look at the number ones. That's against the Denver Broncos, guys. That's all we're caring about. Good uh, idea, Jeff. Guys, yeah, right. enjoy your weekend. <laughs> you too. Just John, you do fans, the same. Paul, you do the same. This is our last weekend, guys, so let's try to make the most of it. Players arrive on Tuesday, the veterans. Then you get our first, again, quote-unquote practice, though there's going to be you know, no pads and no contact on Wednesday, July 28th. Then you have shells and helmets come on on Friday, July 30th for practice on the 30th and the 31st. Then you have a day off on Sunday, and then you got our first pad of practice on Monday, August 2nd. So that's where we stand. Enjoy it, everybody. Next week, we'll start doing uh, some camp stuff, some bold predictions, some season oh. predictions. We'll take some calls on those. So make sure you stay tuned as we get ready for the 2021 John, season. Do, uh, do, do, did we want to just tell people about oh, a possible time change? Thank you. I forgot about that, Paul. Yes. Yeah, so unfortunately, the timing of practice during camp is kind of bouncing around a little bit. So we're probably going to have to make a midstream adjustment at some point. But for the first two weeks of camp, and that, again, is starting on Monday, the show is going to be, I think we decided, 2 o'clock, right, Paul, for those first two weeks of camp. So the week of July 26th and the week of August 2nd, the show will be at 2 p.m. After that, it's probably going to shift. I'm not going to confuse it by giving times. But just so you're aware, the next two weeks, 2 p.m., which will be after practice on most, if not all, of those days. except And for, the I media vans, too, which gives everybody a chance to recap. Correct. And after media. Thank you, Paul. So we'll be able to tell you exactly what happened when we start our show around 2 o'clock. So thank you, Paul. I forgot about that. I appreciate oh, it. And we'll be ready for next week. For Paul Dottino and Jeff Eagles, I'm John Schmelk. Have a great weekend. It all begins next week. Until then.